Paramount Plus and the National Park Foundation present A Mountain of Zen. Are you still listening? Good. Take a deep breath. You needed a break. This Earth Week, you can live stream seven national parks for seven days on Paramount Plus. So, yes, you can literally stream a stream. Paramount Plus, official streaming partner of the National Park Foundation. I'm Kim Grinolds of Dogman.com with Chris Fetter, Scott Eklund. Take two, but uh, uh, big announcement today. It's been in the works for a while, but it is official. Washington and the Big Ten Conference, as well as Oregon, have all officially announced that Washington and Oregon are joining the Big Ten effective, I think it's August 1st, 2023. So um, just right before the um season uh begins for next football season they will officially become members and uh just a little bit of the timeline let's just uh you know chris this all started nine months ago with usc and ucla uh bailing from the conference it did and just just to make sure i'm hearing you right the it starts 2024 not correct yes because that was three days ago yeah. Okay. I just, I mean. Okay. I just want to make sure because it could have been retroactive. I don't know, but you're yeah. right. A lot of this started with USC and UCLA jumping ship. Um, you you could argue that the the Pac-12 immediately went on life support from then on out, and it was a matter of uh, trying to find uh, you know life preservers, parachutes, whatever you needed to try to find as soft a landing as you could, regardless of what school you were, and. Um, but I'm still stunned at the timing of it, guys. I'm still stunned that, you know, nine o'clock last night, there was a Board of Regents emergency meeting, went for an hour and a half, an executive session. Obviously, nothing came out of it because they're not talking. And then all of a sudden this afternoon, Oregon officially announces it after like a five minute Board of Regents meeting where one of their guys is on the golf course and they approve their their move to the Big Ten. And 10 minutes later, Washington puts their announcement out. So clearly coordinated. But, it, it, again, it's just shocking to me how these things can come together so quickly after, like, a whole year of George Klyovkov having the ability to create a media deal with someone, anyone, and basically comes up with air. It's, yeah, well, it's the, crazy. The USC-UCLA leave was the first domino to fall. But, boy, I'll tell you, you know, we've been waiting, you know, for quite a long time. Everybody's been looking forward to this. Larry Scott talked about this next um, uh, media rights deal being, you know, the one that's going to put them over the top. And I think everybody was expecting a big media deal announcement and the way George was being coy at media day uh, a couple weeks ago. And then we get the announcement that uh, we get the media rights in and it's 24 million with an all streaming deal. And I think everybody was kind of going, okay, what else is there? It's like when you're reading a you know full price offer in real estate, like I used to, and, uh, you know, OK, then you start flipping through the contract because, you know, it's there somewhere. Well, when I heard the twenty four million dollar number, Scott, I'm going, OK, well, what else is there? And it was just a bunch of incentives. And I think that just that just sent the boat down the river. Yeah, I mean, it. you know, I'm sad to see the the conference, the Pac-12 conference come to an end and, and a lot of the traditions that we're going to be seeing. But this had to be done by both Washington and Oregon. And and it, it needed to be done because there if you're going to keep up. You got to have the funding to keep up. And if Washington is relegated to 
a conference that's going to pay them 20 million, 25 million and possibly more down the road, but we don't know. Um, yeah, I, I, I just don't, didn't see it as a viable thing in the long run. And, and unfortunately this, this conference has come to an end, but I think it's going to be a lot of fun for Husky fans because they're going to be able to have the chance to go to a lot of different, um, programs that they've never had a reason to go see or, or, or whatever. So, um, sad, but it, it was inevitable. We all knew this day was coming. And Chris, yesterday, a lot of the news was a lot of speculation with Arizona being the next, uh, school to leave the conference and if Arizona left that Arizona state would follow and that Utah would have the weekend to decide what they were going to do. Everything indicated yesterday, it was unraveling. And then this morning we wake up and hear that, you know, hey, we're having second thoughts and we might be able to keep things together in the PAC 12 conference. That lasted what, about an hour? Oh, this morning was an absolute roller coaster. As far as the media goes, it, it was absolutely nuts. And, and my take on it was that, you know, the Pac-12 was meeting up to, to negotiate grant of rights. And it sounds like Oregon and Washington were immediately like, no, th- this can't be it. It goes back to your original thought. 24 million majority streaming Apple. Is this the is this you must have another rabbit that you're going to be able to pull out of your hat because this is never going to be even close to enough of what we need. Yeah. What's behind door number two? What's behind door number two? (laughs) And when it it became clear, there was no door number two, let alone anything behind door number two that didn't exist that, you know, Oregon and Washington were like, we're done. We've had enough. This is, this is ridiculous. And well, um, you know, it sounds like in the board of regents call last night, that there was some people on the board of regents who were kind of hoping and thinking, Hey, you know, it's a good idea. Let's just stay here and make it work. But with the financial problems the athletic department is in, especially, you know, next year, the stadium payment going up to $17 million a year, and them only going to get $24 million, I got a feeling Jen Cohen kind of presented that. Well, if you want us to take $24 million, then uh, you can make up the difference in what we could get to what we're going to get to stay. And I, I think that changed some minds pretty quickly after about an hour. Yes. I think every, again, we you know, every – Decision has consequences, and if they wanted to stay in the Pac-12, I'm sure Jen Cohen offered them up a menu of possibilities in terms of what the options were, but then also what the consequences of those actions would be. So if they did want to stay in the Pac-12 and they did want to have that continuity and they wanted to you know, maybe limit travel for the Olympic sports and, and some of the other things that make sense if you stay in the Pac-12, well, upper campus, you got to pony up now. If you want that for your school, then you're going to have to help us make that work for the books. And if they couldn't, then they almost didn't give them a choice but to move to a bigger conference with more money available, with more opportunities for upward mobility, because, you know, the numbers we're hearing, you know, it may not be great to start with. It sounds like it's on a par with what they're getting right now with the current media deal. And then by the time the next media deal with the Big Ten is negotiated they would get a full share and that's both oregon and washington so hey you know hey scott some of the rumors flying around yesterday there was some talk of oregon talking about they wanted to go to the bigger big 12 
And a lot of people were speculating that that might be because they saw an easier path in the Big 12 to get to the title game. And that's what Phil Knight wants more than anything else. Also, lots of rumors about um, the Big 10 not being thrilled with taking on Oregon because of the academic prestige and the lack thereof. Also, a little bit of uh, apprehension with Phil Knight, who is always the biggest um biggest uh, voice in the room and the biggest personality. So there was some apprehension on that where they said that they might bring in Stanford as opposed to Oregon. And that was another spin where the Oregon was concerned that they might not get the invite. And that's why they were talking to the Big 12. But with Stanford coming in, the Big 12 would it get access to the Bay Area market, which has got potential for a lot bigger market share for media rights. And the big thing is the potential lure to get Notre Dame and making that a little bit more desirable for Notre Dame, which I don't know how realistic that is. Yeah, I don't either. Um, that's the big fish, though. That's the one that every conference wants to get in there is Notre Dame. And, and you know, they've got a nationwide following. And they've just they've got everything that that you want in a in a program. They've got the nation. They've got the history. They're a, they're a blue blood. They're all those different things. And the the Big Ten seems like the most natural place for them to go. But uh, so far they're not going. They're not biting at that apple. So um, you know it always came down to you know the the networks are the ones who are responsible for a lot of this realignment. And um, with that being the case, I just never took the Stanford stuff. I thought it would have been hilarious if Stanford had gotten picked above Oregon. But in the in reality, I just don't see the networks ever, quote unquote, allowing that to happen. I, I Oregon's just got too big of a following and and they've got the Nike, you know, brand behind them and everything like that. And they built themselves into a brand. And I just don't I just didn't see Stanford being a realistic uh, option over Oregon. Um, I do understand why it's being talked about that Stanford could join because of the media market, because of the tech stuff, because of their academics, all those different things. The fact that their their uh, uh, Olympic sports are very good, um, but the the big money maker for them is football. And until Troy Taylor comes in and and he gets them back, uh, you know, playing really good football again, because um, they had they had gone completely down. Their talent level is way down. Uh, compared to what it was um, until that happens, you know, I just think a lot of people are going to think that Stanford just isn't isn't worthy. But, uh, you know, we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. I think I think things are going to look really different on the landscape of college football over the next five to ten years. And, Chris, I heard from, you know, a really good source who's been giving me, you know, spot on information. He told me this deal was going to be done on Monday, but he was a little bit cautious but um he said that washington was being washington oregon were being pumped heavily by usc and ucla that they really wanted to get those uh west coast schools just for the travel alone and being scheduled for all the other sports and they really wanted washington oregon to join the conference and now that they've got washington and oregon they're going to pimp pretty hard to get cal and stanford into the league as well well it certainly makes sense and I think it makes sense for them on their schedule, too, if, in fact, Stanford and Cal can wait that long to join. I mean, who knows what's going to happen in the interim, because I don't see I don't necessarily see a scenario where the Big Ten is going to continue to expand into 2024. It might be 2026. It might be even later than that. So I don't know what Stanford and Cal would do in the in the interim. But in theory, absolutely makes sense. You want those closer travel partners especially for the um, the non-revenue sports. And, um, and, and you know, they're all in California. I'm sure they would like to have a little bit of solidarity on that front. 
Um, but yeah, I don't think there's any question that if you go ahead and you make that addition with Oregon and Washington, Stanford and Cal would be the the next obvious partners. Well, you stop and think, Scott. You know, I always say softball. When you take a look at UCLA softball, and they're going to be, you think they want to go spend three weeks back in the Midwest? It just, yeah. I think it makes it a lot easier for those types of sports to have more local West Coast teams because everybody thinks about football, but. You know, you've got tennis, you've got rowing, women's basketball, men's basketball, uh, baseball. There's a lot of other. Yeah. I don't even know how many sports Washington has. Do you off the top of your head, Chris? I want to say it's somewhere around uh, 10 women's sports and like six or seven men's sports, somewhere around there. Yeah. You know, so there's a lot more. 17, 15, 17, somewhere around there. Yeah, the road trips for football won't be that bad. It's all the other sports where the travel is going yeah. to be a mess, and that's why it's going to be interesting. We have a 3 o'clock Zoom call tomorrow with Anna-Marie Cosse and Jen Cohen, and all the financial stuff, I'm sure that's going to be at the tip of the tip of the spear tomorrow, Chris. Oh, yeah. No, there's no question. I mean, I assume that, that Jen, I mean, even though she wasn't put in a good negotiating position, because I guarantee you the Big Ten saw this as an opportunity to get two premier programs on the cheap, compared to what they, they might have had to pay earlier or maybe later, as the case may be. Um, so, yeah, I mean, it's going to be really, really interested. We're hearing $30 million apiece for each school with one year $1 million escalators every year until 2030, 2031, when the next uh, media rights deal would be negotiated for the Big Ten. That's kind of in line with what Maryland and Rutgers got when they joined back hey, Chris, in the early to- 2010s. Don't, sorry to interrupt you, but I'm just reading a tweet from John Canzano. Oregon President John Carl Schultz says Ducks will receive an average of $50 million a year in revenue over a 10-year period of a direct media rights with the Big Ten. And I'm and I'm and the key word there doing a lot of work is average. Yeah. Because by the time the 2029-2030 thing comes around, they'll be making maybe triple what they'd be making to start this negotiation in terms of what people are reporting so yes there's there's no question that the money if you you know amateurize it over a series of years and you spread it out the budget looks a heck of a lot better than it look it's going to look like in 2024 when they're only supposedly getting 30 million dollars but we have to also remember too that 30 million dollars is right in line with basically what they're already getting well, they got the Pac, 35 in the Pac-12, so they, they got 35 it's not like their budgets are are being really hosed over. Their budgets are probably going to be pretty much in line with what they were hopefully trying to negotiate in these future media deals with the Pac-12. Yeah, 35 million last year. So I'm just wondering if there's maybe a little something something else going on where they can get more over the next few years. So well, uh, they can take out loans against future earnings too. So they that, there's always that that's something that Maryland and Rutgers did when they first joined to to get them out of their their financial hole. So that's I wouldn't be surprised if Washington probably does something similar or get some subsidies from Upper Campus. Possibly. I mean, they're opening themselves up to whole new academic uh, opportunities with the Big Ten. Big Ten prides itself on having a huge academic reputation. And now that they're officially affiliated, um, you know, whether it's through here or through the AAU or some of these other things, you know, maybe Upper Campus is willing to chip in a few extra dollars. I have no idea, but I, I would think it doesn't hurt, right? 
Yeah, Scott, I have to ask, and I don't think it has any impact, but everybody wants to know what impact is this going to have on recruiting? I think the biggest impact it'll have is it'll allow you to go into the Midwest a little bit more. But Washington was already doing that because of the routes that, you know, Jamarcus Shepard and Nick Sheridan and Eric Schmidt and, and OK, Brechterfield all had in the Midwest. So they were already kind of doing that anyway. But um, I think you have a bet, maybe a little bit better chance of getting some Midwest kids to give you a little bit stronger of a look than you did when you weren't going to be playing anybody from their area of their region during their time as a college football player. So um, that's the only real change I think. I don't I don't think you're going to see five stars start going, oh, well, Washington, you know, this and that, you know, I mean, now, does uh, this allow their NIL to maybe pick up a little bit more? Maybe. Maybe it does. Um, so we'll have to wait and see on that. But, um, you know, Washington isn't going to ever be a huge player in the NIL, even if they can pay nine million dollars for a for a high school recruit. The coaches don't want to do that. The coaches want to focus on bringing in guys that are going to buy out, you know, sell out for the program, but also um, guys who aren't going to cause problems in the in the locker room. And so. Um, you know, I'm getting off on a tangent here. So uh, basically, I don't I don't see this making a having a huge impact other than maybe getting a few more uh, Midwest guys to to give Washington a stronger look. When you talk about the um, Midwest ties to the state of Washington, King County, you know, Puget Sound area in particular, I think you're going to see an uptick in attendance next year, Chris. I think that's right. I, I, I've met a ton of people from the Midwest that have ties to Big Ten schools, you know, Michigan State. Michigan, Ohio State. I, I met a ton of people that have moved into this area for work and things like that. So, yeah, I think there's a there's more of a connection between the greater Seattle area and the Midwest than ever before. Um, so, yeah, so I think that that will certainly help. And I think just the the allure of maybe uh, Big Ten teams that haven't been out to Seattle before and also Washington football, their fans wanting to go to some of these other places like you know, uh, Wisconsin, I, you know, I was really looking forward to that home and home before it got canceled. I've never been to Camp Randall. I think that would be a phenomenal road trip. Penn State's another place I've always been curious about. You look at those whiteouts on TV, you think that would be an unbelievable environment to be a part of. So, yeah, I think the reverse is true. And I think there's a lot of Big Ten uh, fan bases out there that are probably really intrigued with what Washington could be like. And I think they probably are getting positive reports from maybe the Michigan fans or Ohio state fans or Michigan state fans that have come out to Seattle recently and have, uh, have, have been to a game. Hey Scott, I think, I think it's a fair statement to say that uh, fans in the big 10 are a little bit more passionate than those in the PAC 12. I think they travel better. Maybe this, maybe uh, give university of Washington a little bit of a jumpstart kickstart and maybe amp up the enthusiasm a little bit more. Oh, a little bit more probably, but I think that's more with the hardcore people. I think some of the ancillary fans, I think the ancillary fans wanted Washington to stay in the Pac-10 or Pac-12, whatever you want to call it. And, and um, so I, I don't know. I don't know if you're going to see that from the from the the fan base or not. We'll see. Yeah, I got a question. I don't know the answer. And I don't know either if you either one of you because everybody's always asking me what channel the game is on. And I go, I don't know. I never watch it. I'm always at the game. I never watch it at home. What channel are these games going to be on? And, Scott, you talked quite a bit about, you know, just game times is going to be uh, a big key, too. Yeah, I think so. You know, first of all, if they're streaming, streaming is not dependent on time slots. So, um, you know, we'll we'll see how that really impacts things. The streaming could be every game could be at one o'clock for all we know. 
Um, the other thing is, too, um, they're not going to have games for Rutgers, Maryland, Penn State, Michigan, Ohio State, Purdue even. Um, teams that are in the Eastern time zone are not going to kick off at 7 o'clock at night Pacific time. They're going to be kicking off at 7 o'clock their time, which is 4 o'clock back here. That's huge for Husky fans who, on average, at least from what we can tell, uh, do not like late starts. I think you're going to see a lot more 1 and 4 o'clock starts for Washington. I think you might see 1 or 2 9 o'clock starts, depending on when the games are back east. 9 o'clock a.m. 9 o'clock a.m. Don't freak people out. Yeah. 9 o'clock a.m. Uh, games, maybe when they play Maryland or maybe when they play, uh, you Rutgers, know, yeah. Rutgers or Michigan or Penn State. Maybe they play a 9 o'clock a.m. game, um, you know, so we'll, we'll just have to wait and see. But I think fans are going to be a lot more uh, pleased with the, the kickoff times than, than, we'll, than maybe they were under what Washington was currently under with the Pac-12. That also, honestly, guys. That also carries over to the West Coast Big Ten teams now, too, because since the majority of the Big Ten audience is obviously in the the Central and Eastern time zones, that means even when Washington plays Oregon or Oregon plays USC, those games, even if they're played out on the West Coast, they're not going to start at 7 o'clock out on the West Coast because that means that those games would be starting at 9 o'clock in the Central zone, 10 o'clock back East. That's not going to happen either. So you're going to have residual effects even with the games that are going to be played by the West Coast teams in the Big Ten, not just the East Coast teams. That's that's my opinion. Yeah, and we talk about some of these schools that we've never been to, Chris, you know, Wisconsin, um, Des Moines, Iowa. Uh, we've never been back to Happy Valley. And those are some road trips that could get pretty interesting for Husky fans. Yeah, I think Iowa. I, I personally, I know you probably don't want to go to Iowa City. I think Iowa City. I think it'll be an interesting. Not trip. in November. They're, they're <laughs> Not. that uh, that that tradition they have with the children's hospital. That's unbelievable. I would love to to see that up close and personal. I'd love to to check that out. Um, yeah. Again, I mentioned Wisconsin. I mentioned Penn State. But even some of the smaller schools, like like uh, Northwestern, you can make a great trip to Chicago out of a, a Northwestern game. Um, you know, Purdue sounds interesting to me on its own. I'd love to just check out the different cultures because it really goes back to what you were talking about, Kim, with the passion of the Big Ten fan base. It's just it's just a different level than what we're experiencing out here on the West Coast with the Pac-12. And and I think uh, if you're a hardcore college football fan that just happens to live in Pac-12 territory, I think you're chomping at the bit to find out what all these different little Big Ten enclaves are like what is it like over in maryland what is it like you know because everyone knows what michigan and ohio state are like everyone understands how the the big time atmospheres in those places are but what is it like at uh you know in minnesota for instance you know granted it's in the twin cities but so that you know you can make a, a big weekend out of going to minneapolis but how's the college culture over there what is it like on game day for that type of stuff i'm really curious to find out scott what happens to the apple cup uh, I think I think if it, if the Apple Cup is going to last, first of all, Wazoo is going to have to make it into like a Big 12. Um, I don't think they could stay in a WAC or a, a Mountain West conference or whatever we want to call that conference now. I don't think they can stay there and be competitive with Washington. So, um, but what I could see have, I don't think that we'll ever see another Apple Cup in Pullman. If there's going to be more Apple Cups, it's either going to be a um, always neutral site game down at Lumen Field where the Seahawks play, 
or it's going to be one year at Lumen Field and one year at Husky Stadium, you know, every other year. So um, we'll have to wait and see um, on that. Uh, but I, I, I don't want to see it go away. I do believe that Oregon and Washington will be the ones playing on Thanksgiving weekend since that is really big for a big the Big Ten on their rivalry, rivalry weekend. Um, but um, I could see Washington and Washington State playing the last week of September and and having that be the Apple Cup. So it's sad to see it be moved, but it, I think it'd be a good thing if it continued. And I know people are going to listen to what you just said and say, well, that doesn't seem fair. Well, at the end of the day, Washington's going to wind up with nine conference games in the Big 12, and they'll have three non-conference games. And with the revenue share discrepancy that they're going into in the Big 10, they're not going to give up a home game. They're not going to give up the revenues for a home game. They're just not. It's not going to happen. And I know Jen Cohen and Patrick Chun, the president AD at um, uh, Wazoo, have a great relationship. But uh, it's still just like this move made. It still comes down to money. And I think the Apple Cup is still going to come down to that as well. And also something real quick, Kim. Um, Chris Peterson was on with Softy and Dick Fain on KJR uh, a little while ago. And the direct quote was, to me, it doesn't matter when it's played that game needs to be played. And he was talking specifically about the Apple Cup. So Scott may very well, he may very well be right in terms of when that game is played. But I, I hopefully would join the chorus and say, I, I think it would be an absolute shame if that game isn't played in some way or another. Um, yeah, do I, do I think that it's going to include a situation where Washington travels to Pullman? No. But I've also seen um, information out there that has the Big 12 thinking about potentially getting Oregon State and Washington State at a discount, kind of like the Big Ten getting Oregon and Washington. And if that was able to happen for the Cougars and Beavers, that could be a monumental move, and that would help solidify them. Because as we know, the difference in finances between dropping even from the Pac-12 and as bad as the media deal was in terms of what the future could have been, it's still three to four times at least bigger than what like a Mountain West deal would be, for instance. I mean, yeah. it's, the, the money difference is it's 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 comical the difference in money. I absolutely hated the Apple Cup in Pullman because it was always like the day after Thanksgiving. So uh, you're trying to get to either Pullman, which is impossible to get to by air and sold out, and there's no hotel, so we'd have to go into Spokane, and it wasn't really um, somewhere where you could drive because you never knew what the pass was going to do. And then you're still an hour, hour and a half you know, from Pullman to Spokane to uh, after a game to catch a flight and find a hotel and Chris, that snow game a few years ago, I mean, you, it was a nightmare driving. It was scary. It yes. was absolutely scary. And all the students are away. It, it just, to me, it was just flat out dangerous. And the band bus crashed on the way over there. So, um, you know, with no disrespect to Wazoo, I hated that game over there uh, right the day after Thanksgiving. I absolutely hated it. Yes, and, and the timing of it really does play into what Scott was saying, and it makes sense to play the Oregon-Washington game in that slot. We'll, yes. we'll, see if that, we'll see if that ends up happening. Well, Colorado and Colorado State, don't they usually play that game? Uh, they're not the same conference. Don't they usually play that game um, the first game of their season? Typically, they have in the past. Not yes, usually the that. first game, but I think it's like the second game. First it, or it, second it, game. Yeah. So they always play it almost but always in September. One and other that I could – oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead, Chris. Well, no, I was just going to say, and they play it where the Broncos play. So they've always had that neutral site game yeah. 
there. And that's what makes it tough for like Oregon, Oregon State, because you really don't have a great neutral site venue there. So they yeah. they probably, I, I think, Scott, you were talking now, they they probably would just continue to play it in, in Eugene and Corvallis. Yeah. Yeah, the the yeah. Other, I I was thinking about it too. Uh, Georgia and Georgia Tech uh, yeah. are not in the same conference, but they they play a home and home. So, um, but that's a little bit different. So yeah, yeah. All right, uh, let's go ahead and wrap this up, guys. Try to get it up, and so people can catch a remnant of this on their commute home. Just final thoughts, Scott Eklund. Uh, you know, I stated it earlier, sad to see the Pac-12 go, but this is the way college football was heading, and Washington couldn't get left behind. They had to take this deal. Um, I'm sad to see the rivalry with Washington State possibly being ruined. I, I, I don't like Washington State and Oregon State being left behind. But again, I understand why it's happening. Um, but overall, I think it's going to be a good move for the program. And I think that Washington really needed to do this. Chris Fetters, wrap it up. Yeah, again, stunned at the timing of it. I think we can safely assume now that all of the, the, the I's being dotted and the T's being crossed were done during the Board of Regents meeting um, last night uh, for Washington. Like I said, 90-minute meeting. I'm sure they took care of all that stuff. Because, again, I think we all thought that there could have been an emergency podcast that we were going to be doing today. Um, But I I wasn't 100% sure that it was going to come to fruition. But how quickly it happened was kind of amazing to me. And then the other thing I would say, too, is that in talking to the players and coaches yesterday for the first time, we talked to, you know, I talked to Chuck Morrell. You guys talked to a bunch of the defensive players. Um, it's just a situation where, you know, they were going to be asked about this stuff until it got resolved one way or another. And the fact that this is now resolved and everyone can kind of look forward in terms of not only getting ready for this current season in the Pac-12, but for future seasons in the Big Ten. All that stuff is off the table now, guys. They don't have to worry about any of it. That Everyone can move forward. The players and coaches don't have to necessarily be asked about it continuously. They just need to be asked once, hey, what, what are your thoughts? End of story. And then that'll be a dead issue. So I think taking this off the plates of the players and coaches is going to be a huge thing going into this season because there's so much promise for this team to do big things. One quick question for you, Chris, okay? Yep, yep. Which podcast was better, the first one or this one? This one. Okay, just checking. <laughs> yeah, and and for the record, the reason why he's asking that is because I failed to hit the record button. So uh, that's that's the reason why. Right. So there, there's going to be a lot of things that we talked about in the first one that's like, I don't know, <laughs> that we probably glossed over a little bit, but we had a we had a chance to really tighten things up for this one, and I think we did a good job. <laughs> hey, and, I, and I'm going to do the same thing again. Larry Scott, if you're looking at me, here's a big old middle finger to you. You took $50 million in your time here. I put you in the same category as Tyrone Willingham and Todd Turner and Larry Scott. I'll put you all in the same bucket because Chris likes buckets, but you took $50 million to screw this thing up. And I am sure by taking that $50 million, you are the envy of all your Ivy League colleagues wearing their khakis and sweaters tied around their neck. So, you screwed it up, Larry. You really screwed it up. I'm not going to give uh, George Klyovkov. Uh, I'm not going to throw him under the bus. You, you left a mess for him. Every time he opened a drawer or a closet door, he found another skeleton that you left for him. So, uh, you know, just uh, hey, big middle finger to Larry Scott. 
Um, just a reminder, we've got football practice Saturday morning, tomorrow and Sunday. We'll have offensive players and coaches on uh, Saturday, and we'll have Coach DeBoer on uh, Sunday. We'll be getting all the reactions from those guys as well. Uh, just a reminder, if you're looking for those daily updates during the season as well as breaking news alerts, just shoot us a note, huskystadium at gmail.com. We'll get you hooked up, huskystadium at gmail.com with subject line newsletters. So, hey, for all of us, it's been a wild couple days for all hey, of us. Kim, talk- also, yeah. I was going to say real, real quick, based on your middle finger to Larry Scott, you're not the only one that did it because uh, David Woods of the uh, podcast of champions in UCLA yeah. basically said Larry Scott should be tried for war crimes. Yeah. Treason. Yeah. Yeah. He was pretty right. bad. He was pretty bad. All right. For all of us from dogman.com, I'm Kim Grindle's on with Chris Fetters and Scott Eklund. Go dogs. <laughs> Thank you.